you beautiful bastards. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. And hey, quick friendly reminder, you only have four days left to head on over to beautifulbastard.com. Get in on our awesome October drop. Snag a gold foil. One day we'll all be skeletons. Our awesome tie-dye, our exhausted gear. Maybe throw in a little don't be stupid and actually much more. And you only have a few days there. There's already some sizes of certain things sold out. So get what you want while you can. With that said, welcome back. Hit that like button if you want me to punch you in the throat, you weirdo. And let's just jump into it. You know, the first piece of news that we're going to plow through is that Dave Chappelle's name is plastered everywhere today. We're talking headlines, trending on social media. There's all-out warfare happening there. And that's because Chappelle is facing criticism and backlash over his new special, The Closer, which was just released on Netflix. A big debate happening. One of the areas getting him the most heat right now being where he talks about J.K. Rowling being canceled over transphobic remarks that she made and essentially saying that he agrees with her. Effectually, she said gender was a fact. And then the trans community got mad as shit. They started calling her a turf. I didn't even know what the fuck that was. But I know that Trans people make up words to win arguments. But I'm explaining that TERF stands for trans, exclusionary, radical, feminist, and adding, I'm team TERF. I agree. I agree, man. Gender is a fact. Also at another point in the special saying the genitalia of a trans woman is something more akin to like beyond meat. Right, so unsurprisingly, there were a lot of people that took issue with this, including the likes of Glad who tweeted out, Dave Chappelle's brand has become synonymous with ridiculing trans people and other marginalized communities. Negative reviews and viewers loudly condemning his latest special is a message to the industry that audiences don't support platforming anti-LGBTQ diatribes. We agree. Also you had Dana White. No, not that one. A program officer for True Colors, an organization that helps homeless LGBTQ plus youth saying, nothing Dave Chappelle says changes the facts that trans women are women, trans men are men, non-binary people are non-binary, that LGBTQ plus people should live free of harm and discrimination. He is wrong. And Netflix has empowered him to be wrong loudly. You know, while the focus of this wave has been on Dave himself, there's also been a really big emphasis on Netflix giving him this platform and Mike to say all of this. David Johns, the executive director of the National Black Justice Coalition saying in a statement that Netflix should know better, perpetuating trans transphobia perpetuates violence. Also calling for Netflix to remove this special, you also had the likes of Jacqueline Moore, a writer and executive producer of Netflix's Dear White People, saying that she shared the story of her transition for the company and has loved working there, but will not work with them as long as they continue to put out and profit from blatantly and dangerously transphobic content. And adding, I love so many of the people I've worked with at Netflix, brilliant people and executives who have been collaborative and fought for important art, but I've been thrown against walls because, quote, I'm not a real woman. I've had beer bottles thrown at me, so Netflix, I'm done. Actually adding that Chappelle was one of her heroes in the past, but saying he's not listening. Those words have real world consequences. Consequences that every trans woman I know has dealt with. I just can't, I can't be a part of a company that thinks that's worth putting out and celebrating. There was also a thread from a person who says they work at Netflix condemning the company. And in the thread writing, yesterday we launched another Chappelle special where he attacks the trans community and the very validity of transness, all while trying to pit us against other marginalized groups. You're gonna hear a lot of talk about offense. We are not offended. And in this thread, hitting on the note that trans people aren't complaining about being offended, rather they're objecting to content that harms their community. Community. Writing, promoting turf ideology, which is what we did by giving it a platform yesterday, directly harms trans people. It is not some neutral act. This is not an argument with two sides. It's an argument with trans people who want to be alive and people who don't want us to be. This all gets brushed off as offense though, because if we're just too sensitive, then it is easy to ignore us. But then sharing the stories of numerous trans people who have been killed to point out that those people are not offended, and saying that they lost their life because of real world consequences that come from transphobia. Closing that thread, that these 38 people died for the crime of being themselves, that actually does offend me. 
right, so you have all that being said, all of that happening, but then you also have people defending Chappelle for his special, specifically with people noting that if you look at the end of his special, Dave talks about a trans fan and a trans comedian by the name of Daphne Dorman, saying that he was able to talk to her about real stuff, that he befriended her, had her open for one of his shows. But then in the special telling the audience that she ended up dying of suicide in 2019, with Dave saying that this came after she stuck up for him when he was previously accused of transphobia. Or Dave saying that trans Twitter absolutely dragged her and he's not sure what the trans community ever did for her, but she was part of his tribe. And saying that after her death, he worked with Daphne's family to make a fund for her daughter. With Chappelle also closing his special by pledging not to make any more jokes about the LGBTQ community for the time being, at least not until he felt like they could be both laughing together. And well, obviously there have been divided public reactions to that. People saying, see, he actually cares. Other people saying that he was using Daphne as a shield. As far as what Daphne's family is feeling, they're actually sticking up for Dave amid all these accusations. With two of her sisters telling the Daily Beast that they were outraged by the fact that some thought his set was transphobic. With one sister telling the outlet, Daphne was in awe of Dave's graciousness. She did not find his jokes rude, crude, off-coloring, off-putting, anything. She thought his jokes were funny. Daphne understood humor and comedy. She was not offended. Why would her family be offended? Another sister adding, Dave loved my sister and is an LGBTQ ally. His entire set was begging to end this very situation. With her then also adding on social media, at this point, I feel like he poured his heart out in that special and no one noticed. What he's saying to the LGBTQ family is, I see you, do you see me? I'm mourning my friend in the best way I know how. Can you see me? Can you allow me that? But ultimately, that is where we are with this story right now. And I wanna pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts regarding this story? I'm not even gonna be like this or that, because I understand there are a lot of different feelings about a lot of different things, a number of things we didn't even get to in this in this section. Yeah, let me know what you're thinking and why in those comments down below. Then, in news that seems to prove that bullying, I guess, sometimes works, YouTube Rewind is canceled forever. Right, you remember that yearly tradition where YouTube tries to make a roundup of trends, creators, memes, and popular videos from the site, and then most of the people on that site then make fun of them or get angry. With YouTube saying in their announcement this morning, thank you to all the creators involved in Rewind. We'll be looking for your rewinds as we refocus our energies on celebrating you and the trends that make YouTube fire with a different and updated kind of experience. And honestly, I, I get it. I feel like trying to make a YouTube Rewind video for everyone that consumes and makes for the website is an impossible task. And I think that's part of the reason this corporate made has to be safe. Let's try and celebrate everything even though we can't get to everything thing was always received so poorly. But when content creators did their own rewinds, they were received so much better. Like a lot of us think of YouTube as this one site, but it's so many different sites for so many different people. We kind of we kind of touched on it earlier this week. Right? We talked about our influencers, our YouTubers, celebrities, right? Is someone might lose their mind over someone that has like a crochet channel. There are tons of people on this website that have over 10 million subscribers that you've never heard of. And so like YouTube, going into the end of the year, I'm very excited to see other creators do their version of Rewind, but I understand why, uh, why YouTube's calling it quits here. But from all of that, I want to take a second to thank the fantastic sponsor of our show, Squarespace. You know, I know over the last year or so, many of you have found your passion projects and what truly makes you happy, whether that means finally getting your independent business off the ground or creating a place to share your homemade goods, new favorite hobby, current obsession, or maybe even a place to get your thoughts out of your head, a personal blog, no matter what, you're doing, Squarespace is there to help. And it's all so easy. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. And creating a beautiful website with Squarespace's all-one platform has never been so simple. It's extremely intuitive and easy to use. So you can focus on the actual thing that matters. Plus, with Squarespace, you get access to all their marketing tools and analytics and personalized support from their award-winning customer care team via email or live chat. Whatever you need, they are available 24-7 to help out. So if you want to check it out, see if it's right for you, see why so many others love it, go ahead and start your free trial today over at squarespace.com slash Phil. And when you realize you love it, just make sure you enter an offer code Phil to get 10% off your first purchase. Then in the news this week, of course, we've talked about Facebook and Twitch taking some very public L's, but they're not the only social app getting a ton of heat right now. And the receiver of said heat 
is Snap. And this because NBC News recently put out an in-depth look at how teens are using social media, particularly Snap, to buy drugs. Except while they think they're getting prescription pills like Percocet, Oxycontin, or Xanax, dealers are actually giving them counterfeit pills containing deadly doses of fentanyl. And in fact, horrifyingly, the Drug Enforcement Administration, aka NARC, says that two out of every five fentanyl-containing pills seized and tested in the U.S. contain enough of the substance to kill. And so with that, you had DEA Administrator Ann Milgram saying that social media companies aren't doing enough to crack down on these trades. Social media companies know that their platforms are being used for this, and they need, they need to understand that Americans are dying. They're dying at record rates, and they need to be a partner in stopping it. And so in the wake of all that, this morning we saw Snapchat announcing several new changes that they're making to curb drug dealing on the platform. Among those changes, the platform's now directing people who search for drug-related keywords to a new educational portal called Heads Up. Though, to be clear, Heads Up just appears as one of the top search results to actually view it. You still have to voluntarily click it. But you also have Snapchat saying they've hired more people to directly respond to law enforcement requests for data during criminal investigation, that it's ramped up actions against drug dealers, and that it's introduced improved in-app tools, including proactive detection. And adding that the development of these tools was in place months before the NBC report was published. Also saying that in the first half of 2021, its enforcement rates have more than doubled and that it's already proactively detected 260% more cases. So the main point of this story is drugs are no longer a thing. Sorry, crime. Then let's talk about news, that classic will they or won't they story. Let's talk about Texas abortion. Ha, I tricked you into caring about real news, even though there is a question of how can the man with the world's worst tattoo still get Jennifer Lopez? That's He's got a personality or dick, I don't know. But no, the, the real news, a federal judge in Texas issued an order on Wednesday temporarily blocking enforcement of the state's strict new abortion law. Right at this point, you know the highlights and hits of bans abortion as early as six weeks before many know they're even pregnant with no exceptions for rape or incest, with it notably skirting previous Supreme Court rulings on abortion by allowing private citizens rather than state government officials to take legal action against anyone who helps a person terminate their pregnancy after six weeks. And so this new ruling, this temporary ban, means that U.S. District Judge Robert Pittman has sided with the Justice Department, which asked for the law to be blocked while the legal battle over the statute makes its way through the federal court. In his ruling, Pittman barring court judges and clerks from accepting any lawsuits that the abortion law would have allowed, and ordering the state to publish his decision on all public-facing court websites with a visible, easy-to-understand instruction to the public that SB 8 lawsuits will not be accepted by Texas courts. But, and it's a big one, it's unclear if this pause will actually do anything to change the situation in Texas, because the language in the law says that violators can be sued retroactively for abortions they help conduct while the legislation is blocked if the suspension is lifted. And they can do this for up to four years after the abortion at issue is performed. So that's that's why even though it seems that the ruling favors clinics, some are still very hesitant to resume full activity. But even with those fears, many have applauded this order as a key step in a fight that is far from over. With many women's health groups issuing statements similar to one from Nancy Northup, the president of the Center for Reproductive Rights. And in that saying, the clinics her group represents hope to resume full abortion services as soon as they are able, even though the threat of being sued retroactively will not be completely gone until SB 8 is struck down for good. But also with this, the state for its part has already filed a notice of appeal in the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, which is known as one of the most conservative courts in the country. And with that, the state is essentially setting the next stage for the legal battle and hoping that the court reverses the new order. So yeah, for now, we have to wait what happens next. But what's, what's happening next is legal ping pong. It's all a lot of stuff that's happening, has real world impact that people are talking about until it gets to the big show. And how I want to end today's show is a tale of two vaccines. The first probably being the one that comes to your mind, COVID-19. And that's because in a vote of 11 to 2, the Los Angeles City Council approved an ordinance on Wednesday that requires proof of full COVID-19 vaccination to enter indoor establishments. This including everything from restaurants and stores to gyms 
bathrooms, salons, theaters, and more, with it set to take effect sometime in November and will only apply to patrons who are eligible to receive a vaccine. Those who can't be vaccinated for health reasons or they say religious reasons must show proof of an exemption, but they have to use outdoor facilities. And if none are available, then they can enter with proof of a recent negative COVID test. But for people who don't have the exemption right, people who just refuse to get vaccinated, they can only use outdoor facilities, only enter an establishment while wearing a mask for brief moments, like to go to the bathroom, pick up an order or pay. Also, any business founded violation of this mandate could face punishment that includes a warning or notice for a first violation, a $1,000 fine for a second violation, $2,000 for a third, $5,000 for a fourth. And of course, with this, critics of the new ordinance have argued that it's unconstitutional and at the very least unenforceable. But you've got city officials arguing that an earlier surge in cases caused by the Delta variant drove them back to this decision. And what's interesting is you have some calling this ordinance one of the most sweeping of its kind in the country since it extends to so many establishments, but also some say that it's weaker than others because it still lets certain people indoors with just a negative COVID test. Still, the general vaccine requirements for indoor venues are something we're seeing in places like San Francisco and New York City. And I mean, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Could lead to a significant increase in vaccinations and or fights recorded on cell phones. And then as promised, the second tale of vaccines, let's talk about malaria. Malaria, which has plagued mankind probably longer than any other disease, just got easier to fight. And this thanks to a new vaccine called Moscurix, which was just endorsed by the World Health Organization. It's targeted towards children who are the most affected by malaria. It's meant to get their immune system into gear to fight the deadliest of the five malaria pathogens and the most prevalent in Africa. You know, this is a massive deal because every year over 400,000 people die from malaria with over half of those being children under the age of five. And this is massive news, not just because it's the first vaccine against malaria, but because it's the first vaccine against any parasitic disease. Right? Unlike viruses or bacteria, parasites are much more complex, which means making an effective vaccine against them is far harder. Now, with that, understand this vaccine isn't perfect or a cure-all. In clinical trials across Kenya, Malawi, Ghana, it had about a 50% efficacy against severe malaria in the first year, but that dropped to near zero by the fourth year. But still, it is so much better than the next best measure, which is implementing bed nets for children. That only cut malaria deaths by 20%. So this is a massive jump. Now, looking into this, I do want to note that the trials did not directly measure the vaccine's impact on death, leading some experts to wonder whether it will be worthwhile to actually deploy. But as the New York Times notes, a modeling study last year estimated that if the vaccine were rolled out to countries with the highest incidence of malaria, it could prevent 5.4 million cases and 23,000 deaths in children younger than five each year. And at the very least, this is an important step forward. With them noting a recent trial of the vaccine in combination with preventative drugs given to children during high transmission seasons found that the dual approach was far more effective at preventing severe disease, hospitalizations, and death than either method alone. Right? You're stacking several perfect but very helpful things to try and protect people. Right? So this is going to be a meaningful situation to watch. I mean, uh, the countries that took part in the clinical trials have already changed their vaccination routines. And it's now possible because of this, we might see some very important great leaps here. But ultimately with this story and actually today's full show, this is where it ends. And hey, whether it be this last story or the first one with Chappelle or anything in between, let me know what you're thinking in those comments down below. But as always, let's close it out. My name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love your faces and I'll see you next time.